God bless you, and what a joy it is for me to share with you on this Friday evening. And uh, I'm looking forward to God speaking to us and giving us a word that will be relevant, uh, that you will be able to take with you and move into the future. And hopefully, you'll be able to uh, improve your relationship, uh, in particularly on tonight with our children, uh, because it is so important that we are mindful and sensitive to the needs of our children and to not let our children think for one minute that we don't care about them. So let's open up with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I thank you once again for how you blessed us, for how you made ways, for how you have kept us in the land of the living. And dear God, we're asking that you will bless us in a special way. We love you and we adore you, O oh God. We thank you for the gifts that you have given us. And God, we ask that you will make us into the people that you would have us to be. Search our hearts and search our minds. And if you find anything that shouldn't be there, please, Lord, take it out. It is our desire to be saved. It is our desire to be whole and holy. And so, God, help us now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And we'll be so careful to give your name the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, thank God. Amen. Um, for our scripture today, let's go to the 15th number of Psalm. A psalm of David, very familiar passage of scripture. It says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil in his, to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt and changes not, he that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Well, you know, today we're dealing with many things when it comes to our children. So many people have a, uh, a less than desirable relationship with their children and our children uh, are so important in our lives or should be important in our lives. Just think, God has given us, has entrusted us with a life to nurture and build their life to be responsible and hopefully Christian beings. So we must, as parents, take our uh, responsibility very seriously. My brothers and sisters, you know that... Uh, our world has gone crazy and we have things that are happening in our world and the devil wants to make us believe that we uh, have no hope. But uh, I, I don't know, I, I haven't, uh, this is probably uh, back in my day, but um, there used to be a uh, television, uh, I guess it was a public service announcement and it used to come on and it would say, um, 
uh, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? <laughs> I don't know if any of you remember that. If you remember that, give me a thumbs up. Do you know where your, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, periodically, parents uh, should stop and ask themselves that question. The most obvious meaning of that question is, do I know where my children are physically, watch me, mentally and emotionally? My God, do I know where they are? Do I know where my children are intellectually, morally, and spiritually? I recall as a, uh, a youngster that periodically my dad would say to me, Drew, are you saved? And of course, uh, most of the time my answer would be yes. One time I, I got bold enough. <laughs> it's kind of funny. This part is funny. Kind of got bold enough to tell him no, sir. And he said, what? And I guess I was about 16, 17 years old. I said, no. And uh, he said, well, man, you can't drive my car if you ain't saved because my car is safe. My car is a sanctified car. And uh, he made me think. He made me think. I wonder, are we telling our children that what we have has been dedicated, set aside for God's service? Because if we tell our children that, then they will understand that there is a certain amount of reverence and respect that they should have in our houses. Listen, you can't use profanity in my house. We don't do that in my house. Now, that doesn't mean the child is not gonna use profanity, but at least they will develop a respect around your house. Let me read my scripture before I get too far into this. It's found in 2 uh, Samuel, 2 Samuel, the uh, 18th chapter, and I'm going to go to the 32nd verse. Watch this. And the king said unto Cushy, is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, the enemies of my Lord, the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. Be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. My brothers and sisters, this lesson here or this particular scripture tells us that the King David, because of his strained relationship 
with his son. David once asked the question, his army was fighting for the life of his nation, but he was concerned about his son. David was not interested in hearing reports of battles or the deposition of his enemies. All he wanted to hear was news about his son, Absalom. Stay with me, my brothers and sisters. I'm going somewhere. Absalom was the son who had rebelled against David and led uh, the army in opposition to him. Despite that, the news that David still wanted to hear was that his son was all right. My brothers and sisters, uh, um, we need to develop an attitude and a yearning uh, for our children just because they cross us or just because they won't do exactly what we want them to do is no reason for us not to love them and be concerned. Contact helps us to hear the news uh, we want to hear. Contact with our children is essential. David had lost contact with his son Absalom and one of the results was the rebellious uh, or the rebellion of Absalom against his father and many of our children are rebellious and, and actually the seeds of rebellion had been planted years before. Absalom had killed Ammon, his half-brother, uh, 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 in revenge and and had fled the land. And, and later he returned and stayed in Jerusalem for two years before he was to even see his father. We should not allow long periods of time to go forth and we not check on our children. I'm talking purely from a parent's point of view. You say, when's the last time you talked uh, to your daughter. Uh, she don't call me. You call her and just see how she's doing. It is important that the parents show their children that we love you, that you're on my mind, that you're on my heart. Two years, David did not hear from his son. And during all this time, Absalom was laying the groundwork for a revolt against his dad. He hadn't heard from his dad. So when you don't say anything, things have a tendency to get, to, to, to get worse because your children will feel, well, I ain't heard from them. They don't care nothing about me. And then the parents saying, I don't care. But you're the parent. You're supposed to be the more mature one. Although this incident is extreme, it still shows us the necessity of maintaining some kind of contact with our children. We must maintain regular contact if love and trust are to be built. We must maintain. You know, sometimes I just call my son and say, hey, man, what's going on? And I don't want nothing. Just need to hear his voice. He needs to know that I'm concerned about him. 
my daughter. Hey, Keith, what's going on? She needs to know that I'm thinking about her. Contact with our children is worth the effort. David obviously knew that Absalom was in Jerusalem. Surely his military intelligence system uh, was that efficient. But apparently David did not make the effort to establish any kind of contact with his son right there in his city. He could have and he should have reached out to Absalom. Now, I know uh, some of you all, this is going to be, uh, uh, you, you, I might get some letters or you, somebody might be typing something uh, unfavorable on the screen and whatnot and saying because uh, Bishop is, uh, is, is teaching against David. <laughs> well, I'm teaching a principle here. David could have reached out to his son, and he should have, but he allowed uh, a distance to, to become hardened between them. And so sacrificing for your children has great benefits. One man felt so strongly about time with his son that he resigned from a very high-paying uh, position in a large corporation because he said that his son would only be going through this phase one time. And he said, I can get a job anytime. How many of us will make those sacrifices for our children? Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't uh, get a high paying job, but I'm saying not at the expense of neglecting our children. You know, uh, I made sure and my wife made sure that no matter how intensely involved I became in what I was doing, that we always had family time. Sometimes she'll just, when's the last time you talked to Jay Drew? Oh, when's the, have you, and I'll say to her sometime, you talk to Kiki, where's Jay Drew? What, we, we got to do that in order to keep a relationship with our children. My brothers and sisters, this particular father had reason that the years that the boy would grow and the father could spend with him were limited. After a while, honestly, hear me, parents, your children will be grown before you know it. And you'll look back and say, what happened to the time? Where did it go? How did I miss? I don't even remember this. I I'll never forget. I was building my church, oh, my, the second church over on Southfield, and I was so engrossed in building ministry and whatnot. I know I'm going, I know the preachers and pastors, they're going to be mad at me for saying that, but I was so engrossed in building the ministry. I put all my efforts in there. I think my son must have been uh, maybe about eight or nine, maybe years old. And he was having problems in math. Remember, I got a master's degree in math. And my son was having problems in math. But I was so engrossed in the church. I went up to the school and I found out. I said, hey, man, what's going on? He, you know, the teacher telling me he's having problems in math and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get you a, 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 a tutor. 
a tutor, me. I'm a math major, but I'm going to get a tutor for him. And so uh, I agreed to get a tutor. He looked at me, and uh, I, said, uh, um, I said, what's wrong? He's, he said to me, I want you to help me. Of course, that got me because I'm thinking he didn't want to talk to me about math because I have a tendency to say, you, you ought to know this because I know it. But that got me. And you, you, you got to make sure that you're available for those moments when your children are reaching out to you. If not, you're going to lose them. And you'll lose them and not know why they don't want to be bothered with you. Once they get uh, 19 or 18, 16 years old, they, they on their own, they, they may not want to be bothered with you. But you got to put your time in so that they are, they'll understand that I'm here for you. Oh, Lord. And so we've got to feel that the sacrifice of what we're trying to do is worth it to give to our children. Now, my brothers and sisters, you must understand that communication helps us to hear the news that we want to hear. Uh, 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 I, you, you know, it, 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 there was no communication between David and Absalom. When communication did occur, it was strictly confrontational. We've got to do what we can, you know, hear what they say. Here, here are some guidelines for effective communication that will help parents. Number one, tell them that you care. I know my mother would always say, you know, I love you. You know, uh, you know I love you. I tell my kids, you know, and, it, and it's, not, it's not a, it, it, let me get away with this for, for, our, for the men. It's not a sissy thing. I mean, I don't, I'm not talking about homosexuality. Yeah, I'm just talking about this term. It's not a sissy thing to say to your son, I love you. It's not, a, it's, it's not a corny thing to say to your children, I love you. Oh, my. Tell them that you care. Now, a social... A sociologist once interviewed some teenagers regarding their impression of their home and their parents. He discovered that those who had been brought up permissively were not grateful for it. One girl told the interviewer that she lived in an apartment in a big city. After supper in the summer, the children on the block would gather in the streets to play. Listen to this report. But after a while, one child would say that she had to go home because her mother told her to be in before 8 o'clock. Watch this. Or a father, would, another one, a father would whistle and a boy would have to leave. Another mother would call and others would have to go. The particular girl said, that they would all go, it would get dark, and she would be there all along waiting for her parents to call her in, but they never did. I recall as a child, I, it, you know, sometimes uh, friends made fun of me. My mom had a high-pitched voice, and she would come outside, and she would call my whole name, John Drew Shear. 
I had to come home at a certain time. How many of us are checking where I say, let's, let's start this while they're young. Hey, hey, um, uh, Jay Drew, be in the house by the time the streetlights come on, man. That ain't old fogeyism. Your children will appreciate your concern for them in the later years. I know mine do. A lot of things they didn't understand, and I tried to be as contemporary as possible. But Absalom and his father's relationship, did, it's not Absalom's fault, it's David's fault. David did not nurture this kind of relationship with his son so that his son, excuse me, so that his son would feel that his father really cared. Here's another thing we've got to do as parents. We've got to listen to them. You can't always dictate to the, just listen. I, I, sometimes I just sit there and listen. I just sit there and listen. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes my son, he has all these ideas. I just sit there and listen. And I, sometimes I look at him, I say, man, that ain't going to work, man. And then I, we go back into talking and going on. But listen, you need to hear what they're saying. My daughter comes in with these big ideas. I remember one time my son came in with this big idea and he, you know, he was so sure it was going to work. I sat there and I said to myself, I said to myself, I didn't say it to him on this particular day. I said, this ain't bit more going to work. But he asked me for some money and he said, Daddy, I need you to help me do this. And, 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 and because I could sense, watch this, parents have... A, 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 a way of detecting that something is very important to their children if they've developed that type of relationship. I could sense that this was so important to J. Drew, and so I gave him the money. People say, why'd you give him the money, and you knew that wasn't going to work? Because I'm not a dream killer. Sometimes we got to let our children dream. And if their dream is within your power to try to make it happen, help them. After all, you brought them here to be dreamers. You don't, I, don't, I don't want my children to be an average child. I wanted them to be above average. So I sat there, I listened to him, I gave him this money to pursue his dream. And uh, it, th at that time, now his dream, he, it has been altered. That's not what he wants to do now. And so it's okay. It's okay because we take risks as adults. So why not take a risk on your child? Man, uh, dad, can I, uh, mama, can I have $100? I want to buy it. If you got it, give it to them. If you don't have it, explain to them. Don't just say, no, nah, I ain't got that for this. Explain. I really don't have it. Oh, my. It's hard for parents to listen to their children's dream. We always want to be talking. We always want to dictate. But listen, really listen to what your child has to say. Even as a little child, listen. I used to sit up and listen to my children talk about what they were going to do. My parents did it to me. I used to say what I was going to be. They sat there and listened to me. Mom, I had 
I used to write on, you, many of you have heard me say this before, I used to write on uh, no, notebook paper. I wasted, so you may think, I wasted notebook paper writing out what my dream was instead of doing, praise God, instead of having, using that paper to do my, my homework. Listen, here's the key. My mom knew I was writing all this stuff and they looked at it and saw it, but they didn't stop buying me paper. Y'all missed that. And I got my homework done, but I used a lot of paper writing my dream out. You gotta be able to say that I wanna help my child dream. Oh yeah, somebody type on the screen and say dream. Everybody's gotta have a dream. If you don't have a dream, then something's wrong. And then, and I got to close here, and then we must give them credibility. Children may actually know some things that their parents don't know. And you got to be willing to learn from your children. Particularly, this is true of their own feelings. You don't know how your child feels. They have to tell you how they feel. They know how they feel and what they feel and why they feel that way. Now, you need to know parents should be open to listen to their children. I got to close here. Parents also need to listen to their children's per perception. Uh-huh. By listening, a parent can learn the perceptions of a child, uh, of, of, of a child uh, has to on a particular incident. And it may be totally different from what we think, but we got to hear why they're going in that direction. Concern is a way to hear the news that we want to hear. We want to hear that our children are doing well. Parents should be concerned about their children. David was concerned about his son Absalom, but here's the problem. He waited too late to express his concern. He let Absalom run around. He let Abs Absalom do what he wanted to do. He didn't have any involvement in his life. Concern should be expressed for all points of a child's life, not just things that you want them. If, if the only thing that you're doing is punishing your child, you're not helping them to develop. David's concern was expressed too late. David, David, David said, oh, my son. Listen, David was truly concerned because in the end, David was able to focus his concern. But here's the problem. Absalom was, was, had got killed. And then he says, poor David, he says, he says, I wish I had died first and let myself. No parent wants to die, excuse me, wants their child to die before them. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. David said in that uh, 33rd verse, the king was shaken by the news that his son had been, 
uh, was killed and he went to the room above the gate and started crying, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, I wish I had died in your place. Absalom, my son, my son. My brothers and sisters, here is a warning to us parents. Let's develop a relationship with our children so that we can help them and maybe they can help us, but we, we can learn from each other. I'm going to pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for how you blessed us and brought us to this point. And dear God, as we have heard this word, I pray that it will touch the hearts of some parents, that it will make that mother to develop a better relationship with that daughter and son, that it will help that father to reach out to his son or daughter. I pray, oh God, that this message will help them to be better parents. Lord, let us not only be hearers of your word, but doers of your word as well. And we shall forever give your name the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, I want you to sow into this fertile ground. I hope this message helped the parents. I want you to sow into this fertile ground. I would that you would get a $20 seed and sow into this ministry, a $20 seed. Sow into this ministry. You can mail it in at Greater Emmanuel Institutional Church. Uh, you can, it's at 19190 Schaefer Highway. That's Bishop J. Drew Sheard Boulevard, Detroit, Michigan, 48235. Or you can give at PayPal at paypal at geikojic.org or you can give on Givelify. Please search for our church at Greater Emmanuel Church and look for our church logo. Or you can always give uh, a cash app. That's dollar sign GEI Kojic 1. You can always give securely in our GEI app. Or you can text to give at 28950 and uh, put in GEI Offer space and the dollar amount. I would that everyone would give a $20 seed on tonight. I'm praying for your seed. Dear Lord, I thank you. And I pray that you will bless my brother and my sister and that they will give liberally and sow into this fertile anointed ground. In Jesus name we pray. Come on and say with me, here I go again, believing God. And now may the grace of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Ghost rest, rule and abide henceforth now and forevermore. And we all said amen. Thank you and may God bless you.